Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And Jen, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you too. Yeah, it's it's finally the it's the culmination of all things spooky. So what are you dressing up as this year? I'm dressing up as a guy who is extremely tired of walking. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a big stretch for you, I think. You think so? Yeah. I think so, too. <laughs> I think so, too. So this, this week, we decided to do something a little bit different than what we normally do, being that it's Halloween and being that we are at Universal Studios for Halloween Horror Nights, we decided to do... The original, well, not the original three, but three of the original Universal Monster movies, the famed black and white 1930s and 40s. Classic monster movies. movies. Yes. Yes. So we are going to, in this very episode that you are listening to right now, we are going to talk about Dracula 1931, the English language version, not the Spanish language version. We're going to talk about Frankenstein 1931. And we're going to talk about the Wolfman, 1941. So, Jen, before you and I got together, had you even ever seen anything remotely resembling a classic monster movie from the 1930s and 40s? I'd seen pictures. I don't think that counts. <laughs> I don't think that counts. No, I had not ever seen these. And okay. the first time we watched them was a few years back. Again, mm -hmm. we do this Universal Studios in Orlando, Halloween Horror Nights. And they had a house that had all these classic monsters in it. Some of them, yeah, and several of them, yeah. we like to watch the movies that inspire some of these houses just to kind of get in the mood for it. And so we watched, what, Five or six movies that year? We watched Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman, The Bride of Frankenstein. The Invisible um, Man. The Invisible Man. We watched the... Uh, we watched the... Mummy. The Mummy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did we watch Phantom of the Opera? I don't remember no. if we did or not. No, we did not. Creature from the Black Lagoon, though, we did. We did watch that one, too. Yeah, we watched mm -hmm. Creature. Yeah, we watched a whole bunch of them that yeah. year. That There mm -hmm. was a, a Blu-ray set that we found on Amazon that had a chunk of them. It didn't have all of them. There was mm -hmm. one that was like super expensive and it had 30 universal classic monster movies, which would include like Dracula and Dracula's daughter and Dracula's, you know, landlord's cousin. And, you know, the Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Frankenstein meets Abbott and Costello. Frankenstein meets, you know, Karl Marx, whatever. They, they made a ton of these movies. Mm -hmm. The one that we got was like just six or seven movies. And yeah. we watched a chunk of them. We watched a chunk of them that year. Yeah. Okay. But before that, you hadn't seen any of these, right? No. Nope. Just pictures. Yep. Just pictures. Had you ever read Dracula or Frankenstein? Nope. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm familiar with the stories. Sure. Yeah. But not because of these movies or... Well, I, I think in part because of these movies more like what these movies may be inspired later, you know, with storytelling and other movies or mm. documentaries or, you know, stuff like that. But I'd never actually read the book or seen these movies. Mm. Interesting. I grew up on these movies. My mom is a big monster movie fan, and she she grew up mostly on the Hammer films, but my grandmother was fond of these films, these 1930s and 1940s into the 1950s 
monster movies from Universal. This was the this was what made Universal a household name. You know, so, but yes, I I grew up on these. I read Dracula. I read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Are um, those good reads? They are. They're a bit of a slog, both of them. I was going to say, for how the time period that they were written, I would feel like they would be a kind of a dry read. They can be, but I think also, like Dracula is told basically through letters. Like you read the book and it's basically just letters back and forth. And I mean, I don't even know if I have them anymore. I know I've got a digital copy of Dracula. I don't know if I have Frankenstein anymore, but they're they're good historical reads. Does that make any sense? Like, oh, this is sure. the foundation upon which you know some other m- books and movies were built, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. You know, yeah, it's like building blocks. You know, these were the builders of of horror, mm-hmm. at least the modern era of horror. So, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't recommend them. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely had zero desire to read them. Yeah. I thought about going back and rereading Dracula and Frankenstein for this podcast, but then I thought, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I read them, you know, college, early early years of college, I read them and I was like, it's not bad, I guess, but eh, I don't know. So, so what we're going to do is we are going to... We're going to go through them in chronological order. We're going to talk about Dracula first, then Frankenstein. Then we're going to talk about the Wolfman. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little quick plot summary. And then we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about the movie. So why don't we start with Dracula then? Jen, do you want to do the the cast and crew? I prepped it. Okay, do it. Let's do it. All right. So Dracula was directed by Todd Browning, Mm -hmm. but... Carl Frond is the cinematographer, and he's uncredited because he actually did a lot of the directing. At the time, Todd Browning was mourning the loss of his friend Lon Chaney, Mm. and so he was kind of sullen and wasn't showing up to work and was ripping out pages of the script and kind of not being real professional, and so Carl actually did a lot of the directing for this. Interesting. This was written by a lot of people. So this movie is loosely based on Bram Stoker's book. Mm -hmm. Universal's original idea was to do this big budget film adapting the Dracula book into this big production movie. And then the Great Depression hit, the stock market crashed, And then Universal could not put the money, they couldn't justify putting that kind of money up for the movie. So they decided to scale it back and base it off the play by Hamilton Dean. But the movie was written by Garrett Fort. This stars Bella Lugosi as Count Dracula. The famous Bella Lugosi. (laughs) This dude, dude, he's like Boris Karloff. He's kind of everywhere during this period. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Helen Chandler as Mina, Dwight Fry as Renfield, crazy Renfield. Mm-hmm. He also uh, plays Fritz in our next movie. Yeah, he does. Yep. David Manners as John Harker and Edward Edward Von Sloan as Van Helsing. Van Helsing. <laughs> All right, so just tell us 
this movie? What is this about? Okay, so Dracula is about a vampire from Transylvania who hires a guy from England named Renfield to come and help him move his shit to a place called Carfax Abbey in London or close to London. It's like a moving company, like the moving guys or something. Yeah, they, they call him a solicitor, I think, back then, but that's, I don't know quite, I don't know quite exactly what, like a real estate agent, basically, right? Isn't that but, what he is? Yeah, that's He's what got I, like a real estate contracts with him and shit. Yeah, so. that's what I took it as, but real okay. estate agents don't help you move. I mean, if you're wealthy enough, well, they might I arrange suppose. for shit, you know? I've <laughs> yeah. never been wealthy enough to have something. I've never been wealthy, that, but. That is true. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. So how does Dracula have all this money if he's wealthy? I'm sh- I mean, I'm sure he comes from really oh, this is a guy who comes from really old money, right? Like I don't know when he was I don't know when he was bitten he originally. Should, he should maybe do a little bit of renovating on that house of his. No, it's not his anymore. He's he he, <laughs> he sold it, right? So So Renfield goes to Dracula's castle. He gets turned partially by Dracula. And it drives him mad. But he becomes Dracula's thrall. He takes him back. He, he, he schedules a trip back on the Vesta. Which, isn't there a movie coming out called The Last Voyage of the Demeter? Or it's already out, right? That's been out, right? I think so. That's supposed to be... That's That movie's supposed to take place on the ship... That we see a hint of it, right? Like we see that when Dracula's on the ship, Renfield's like, okay, it's time to come on out. The sun's down there, master, come on out. And, and Dracula comes out and supposedly feasts on the crew mm-hmm. all, the way to, all the way to England from Transylvania. I don't know how long of a sea voyage that is, but it seems like it's long enough, right? You would think he'd want to maybe leave the crew alive until they get there, just so they make sure to get there. Yeah, like maybe point, like maybe he was just like put it on cruise control and we'll <laughs> autopilot. Yeah, autopilot. Maybe Renfield was doubling as the <laughs> the steering guy. He's the he's st- also a boat captain. Yeah, he's a boat captain. <laughs> he does it all right. Well, I mean, he's a full service real estate agent slash minion. So <laughs> that eats bugs. Yeah, who eats bugs, yeah, right? So, anyway, I don't remember in the book if it's the Vesta or the Demeter that that transports Dracula to London. In the movie, it's the Vesta. Dracula and Renfield arrive in England, but Dracula, of course, is in in his coffin, now, and the only person left on the boat is Renfield, and when they open up the ship's hold, they find Renfield staring at them and just cackling. Like, say what you will about how the, uh, the way that this movies these movies can be kind of hokey because they're older and the special effects weren't great, but Dwight Fry as Renfield is unsettling. Yeah, he's like, really creepy. Like, his laugh is just something else. Like, I don't know where he came up with that, but dude, 
that that's an amazing laugh. And the the scene where he is staring up from the hold, I got the willies. I was like, oh Jesus, that's weird looking. That dude is creepy. He's just creepy. He did a great job with it. Dracula somehow manages to get out of the boat and into the abbey, into Carfax Abbey. So, question here. Yeah. So he has to bring Earth from wherever the hell he's coming from. Transylvania. Transylvania, thank you. Mm -hmm. He has to bring Earth from Transylvania on the boat, and then it's got to get to his new home. Right. But yet there's authorities on the boat. Wouldn't they be like... What are these coffins doing here? Also, and didn't who are they in here? take Renfield right to the insa- insane asylum? They did. They asylum? took him to the sanitarium. So yep. who, who moved, moved the, the co- dirt? Yeah, who moved the coffins? It's not just him either. There were several coffins down there, weren't there? Didn't he bring his brides? Maybe. I do want to point out one thing I did read is after the initial movie was all put together, mm-hmm. the Universal President, that Carl Lamley. Carl Lamley, yeah. yeah. He said the movie gave him the heebie-jeebies yeah. and made them re-edit it. Oh, really? And so there's a lot of stuff that got cut from this movie, which Todd Browning said he was upset about that because it caused some continuity errors in the movie because it okay. ended up on the cutting room floor. Interesting. Because of Carl Lamley's interference interesting okay yeah carl emily is i mean that the guy was he was i think he was the president of universal studios at yes the time? yep okay so he yeah he he was kind of the guy right he mm-hmm. made the final decisions this was back in the studio era which i guess we're in again now but the previous studio era where studios had complete control over everything they would sign people to contracts and those contracts held so the reason that you know, Garrett Fort wrote all these movies is that he was an in-house writer for Universal Studios. Same thing with Bela Lugosi and Dwight Fry and for Car- uh, Boris Karloff, we'll see. Mm-hmm. The same thing, right? So, like, they, they kind of held sway in a great way. So I'm not surprised at all that Lemley made the final decision on what these artists' pro- product was going to finally look like. I'm a little but disappointed. I am too, because I feel like there's probably some stuff in there that maybe yeah. explained a little bit more what was actually happening. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'd find out how they transferred the the coffins to Carfax Abbey. But or what happened to his brides. What happened to his brides. Carfax Abbey, regardless, Carfax Abbey is right next to Dr. Seward's sanitarium. Sanatorium or sanitarium? What's the right word there? Do you know? I do not know. Do we know what the difference between a sanatorium and a sanitarium is? Oh, it's the same thing. Never mind. Okay. So they're both the same word, or they're the same thing, but they're different words. Never mind. Anyway, the more you know, kids, sanatorium (laughs) and sanitarium are the same name. They're both kind of old-timey names, right? Like old with an E, O-L-D-E, oldie-timey, right? And... It, it, basically, it's a mental health facility. Mm-hmm. So, so Doctor Seward meets Dracula in a London theater, like a theater theater, not like a movie theater. And he introduces his daughter Mina, her fiance John Harker, and a family friend Lucy Weston. Lucy seems a little bit taken by Dracula, and then Dracula shows up that night 
and drinks her blood. Yep. She dies the next day, even though they give her a bunch of blood transfusions. It doesn't matter. We don't get anything else with Lucy after this, really. Whereas... She died. Right, but she comes back as a vampire. Renfield, like you said, eating flies and spiders. And Van Helsing is brought in to kind of diagnose him. He figures out what it is and he starts talking about vampires. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, the fuck is wrong with this guy? Vampires? (laughs) What? Renfield is, like, experiencing all this kind of mania because Dracula keeps calling him as a wolf. Like, not like on the phone. It's not, you know, he's not like, doo, doo, doo. you know, he's like, he's howling outside Renfield's window and Renfield's kind of getting driven mad by this, even more mad than he is. Because in this version, yeah. Dracula can transform to a wolf or a goofy-looking bat on a string. <laughs> a wolf, a bat, a mist. Vampires can transfer, transform into a lot of things. Um... Renfield is further, like, egged on by Wolfsbane. Van Helsing shows him some Wolfsbane. And he thinks that this proves his point that that vampires are afoot. Because vampires are, or people are protected from vampires by Wolfsbane. But, meanwhile, Dracula visits with Mina while she's sleeping. And he bites her, too. And then the next evening, he shows up to, like, just visit, like, check in on her Mm -hmm. as himself, not, like, as the vampire, like, skulking into the window. He's just showing up for a social event. Mm -hmm. And this is where Van Helsing's Helsing's suspicions are confirmed. He casts No Reflection, which is another vampire thing. This movie is responsible for setting up so many of the things that we know about vampires. Right. Right? Now, No Sparkling... Because fuck sparkling, but <laughs> there's only else. one place that vampire exactly, sparkle. exactly. It's in hell. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Van Helsing is like, aha, we figured out the vampire, and we know who is behind the death of Lucy, Renfield's madness. We know all of this now. So meanwhile, Mina is. He, she goes and finds Dracula in the garden and Dracula attacks her again. He bites her again. And then the maid finds her and we get this like montage of like newspapers reporting a woman in white luring children into like a park and biting them. So we find out that that's actually Lucy mm. risen from the grave to be a vampire and creating a whole bunch of other little vampire children. Like she's biting these kids. Yeah. They're going to be vampires. Then Helsing acts like his job is done by the end of this movie. But no, he's got to go kill a bunch of kids. He's got to go Anakin Skywalker and a bunch of younglings over here. Also, this Van Helsing seems a little elderly. I don't know how much fighting he's actually going to be doing. You're right. Yeah. This Van Helsing <laughs> We need is... Buffy here. Yeah. Where's Buffy? Where's Anthony Hopkins for crying out loud? My God. Van Helsing decides he's going to protect Mina by putting a wreath of wolfsbane around her neck. Meanwhile, Renfield escapes from his cell and he listens to, he hears, he overhears everybody talking about vampires. So then he goes back to his cell after they catch him and he tells, he, he tells them that Dracula convinced him to let him enter the sanitarium by promising him thousands of rats for blood. 
fucking gross, man. Like yeah. that's that's your promise. Like isn't wasn't his promise to turn him eventually? I don't remember. Like I feel like that was the that was the premise of this whole thing that eventually after Renfield did what he was going to do, he was going to turn him and let him live as a vampire fully. Well, we just saw a movie recently called Renfield that takes place many, many, many years after this, and he still hasn't turned the <laughs> well, poor yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. His intention was never to actually turn him. He doesn't want competition. He's only going to turn the females. Yeah. So Dracula shows up, and he talks with Van Helsing, and... Dude's just laying it out there. Like he doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, I've got her. Mina's mine. I made her into a vampire. What are you gonna do about it? What yeah, you do about it, punk. <laughs> Nothing, huh? Because you're the little man. I'm a vampire. Gonna do a bat, <laughs> right? Not gonna do anything about it. It's really a weird. It's like this weird flex where they're like standing off and they're like, oh yeah, well, uh, I've got this cross. Oh, I've got. Oh God, cross. Okay, you know, like it's very like <laughs> formal, like. You know, gunshots at 10 paces kind yeah. of formal, right? Like, there's slap no... Slap him with the glove. Yeah, slap him with the glove and challenge <laughs> him to a duel, right? Yeah, so... Yeah. that the, the crucifix does make Dracula retreat, and then Dracula manages to hypnotize the nurse into taking the wolfsbane off of Mina's neck and opening the windows up. Meanwhile... Van Helsing and Harker see Renfield heading for Carfax Abbey, and they show up there. They find Dracula with Mina. He's taken her, and he's gone back to our Carfax Abbey. Harker shouts for Mina. Dracula thinks Renfield betrayed him, so he murders him, throws him down a flight of stairs. You know, he strangles him and tosses him. Mm-hmm. You know, or tosses a dummy that's dressed like him. Yeah. Lots of dummies getting tossed in these movies, man. <laughs> Lots of dummies dressed like people. <laughs> then Dracula is chased down into the basement of Carfax Abbey by Van Helsing and Harking. Harker, excuse me, not Harking. Van Helsing, Harking, whatever. Van Helsing knows that Dracula has to sleep in his coffin during the, the daylight and the sun's coming up. So he makes a wooden stake from the Dracula's coffin lid. How fucking hardcore is that? He... He takes it right from the dude's coffin, which means the dude was asleep mm-hmm. while it was happening. <laughs> so, like, either he's like, he's like the slickest steak maker, making no noise while he's doing it, or Dracula was really fucking out. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. Dead to the world. Dead to the oh right. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. And then he impales Dracula through the heart. Killing him and, in the process, returning Mina to normal. Because apparently, if you've been bitten by a vampire but not fully turned, if you kill the vampire that bit you, you go back to normal. So how? what's the difference between being bit and not turning and actually being bit and turning? As I understand it. Now, I am no vampirologist, but as I understand it, it's the amount of blood that has been drained from you. If you have... Almost all of it drained, you will die and then turn. If you have all of it drained from you, you will just die. Because Dracula says it himself, the blood is the life. That's taken, to me, it's taken two ways. It's taken as, I need blood to live. We see that with Renfield. He needs blood to exist and feel strong. But it also means that in order to 
come back to life, you need to have a little bit of blood in you. Now, there is a point in this where Mina is made to drink Dracula's blood as well. That might also be the part of it in that. So maybe that's what it is. There we go. Maybe my understanding of this is completely fucking off. Okay. Dracula made Mina drink his blood, which probably led to the vampirism. So maybe, maybe then Lucy biting all those kids isn't going to amount to anything. Yeah. Because she didn't make them drink her blood. So then we would assume that Lucy drank Dracula's blood in order for her to turn. Yeah, one would think, but we never see that. No. Or we never, it's never even referenced. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Again, could be on the cutting room floor. Could be part of the Lumley cuts. Uh Yeah. 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 For sure. Did you notice that in the sanitarium, they're calling all the patients loonies and shit like that? They're like, you're fucking bonkers. You're out of your gourd. Like, (laughs) totally just not like fucking, like, they don't care. Like, fucking. Yeah. 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 Times were different back then, for sure. The other thing that I noticed is that Dracula goes out really fucking easy in this. Like, it's like, like the way that they, the way that they make it seem is like, isn't that even a fucking problem? Just like, wait for him to go to sleep and stab him. Well, he doesn't seem very (laughs) aggressive. Like when they're confronting him, like you said, they're just kind of like standing there talking like. Well, he thinks he can hypnotize his way out of anything. Yeah. He tries to hypnotize Van Helsing, but Van Helsing is like, not today, Junior. I've got you pegged. I know what's going on. How does Van Helsing know so much about vampires? It's an interesting is question. Is that a big thing? I mean, is there other vampires out there than Dracula? I mean... How was Dracula born? How was he formed? <laughs> Where did this thing come from? Well, if we ever watch the 1992 Dracula, we will... You will know where that Dracula is formed. He was a Carpathian warrior for the church who drank blood to, or drank blood and renounced Christ because his love died while he was at war for God. Mm, Okay. But I don't think that's in the book. I don't (laughs) seem to remember it. It feels like it might be, you know. And who knows? Maybe they never mention it. Maybe he just is. Yeah. So vampires, though, are kind of. They're, they're mostly European folklore. They predate the book even by mm-hmm. probably century or so. And I feel like this movie did for vampires what George Romero's Night of the Living Dead did for zombies. It defined them as a being, as a creature, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Makes sense. So, at least for modern audiences. Right. So. Did you have any specific notes that you wanted to talk about before we move on? Yeah, just a couple things. Let's hear. You did mention the Spanish version. So the Spanish version was filmed simultaneously to this one. What they did is they filmed this with the set piece, the English version during the day. And then at the end of the day and overnight, they would bring in the Spanish actors and they would use those same sets and film a Spanish version. So they filmed it at the same time. Yep. I don't know if this is common. I've never heard of this, but I thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> that they did it at the same time. It is interesting. I can't think of another film that I that I know of that that's happened. I'm sure it's happened before and since, or since at least. 
But I don't know of any that were filmed that way. They also filmed, they also went back and filmed it again with no speaking roles because not all movie theaters were right. equipped for sound equipment yet. Yeah. And so they also have a silent version of this right. out somewhere too. I guess originally there was a big speech by Van Helsing at the end. Hmm. Did you ever see anything like this? No. The speech was eventually removed by the censors because they feared religious groups would be ah. offended <laughs> because it encourages the belief of the supernatural. Oh, so no. they took it out. Oh my God. Not the supernatural. <laughs> and then the last thing <laughs> I want to talk about is Bella Lugosi apparently gets into his roles when yeah. he's doing this. He was full costume Dracula strutting up and down the set proclaiming I'm Dracula. And he'd do the same thing looking in the mirror and stuff. So he was like really getting into the, mindset of Dracula. <laughs> Interesting. If he was really getting into it, he wouldn't even be able to see himself in the mirror. So That's true. That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> Method act your way out of that, dude. <laughs> there was a few goofy things in here, I thought. And I know this is older, but there's a part where he's going after a woman out, out in the public. And he oh, goes, yeah, the flower girl. He goes to give her a weird hug and then they just kind of fade off screen or something. It was so yeah. bizarre. It's yeah. like, what the hell is this? And I get it. You can't show anything crazy oh, no. back in this day. This was pre-code. They could have showed whatever the fuck they wanted. Nobody was censoring any of this stuff except for the studios. It was, it. it's weird. So there's, <laughs> there's no bite marks, right. no fangs. Right. We have no fangs on this mm -hmm. Dracula. Very weird stares, like <sighs> facial expressions are very bizarre. I'm sure it's supposed to be him hypnotizing people, but it actually makes me laugh because it looks so goofy. <laughs> this there's the, weird stuff in this movie. The thing, the things that I really like about this are the are the matte paintings that they use. Yes, I was gonna say the they set, were really cool the looking. set pieces and yeah. the backgrounds. I thought were really cool. I yeah. liked them. Very effective. I also really like the use of lighting when it comes to Dracula's face. And it's only because you get, like, you know what an eye light is? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> they take that to the extreme in old Hollywood in these older movies, especially when it comes to a horror movie. And you get this, like, a close-up of the face, and the eyes are highlighted by a beam of light. Massive eye lights. I love it. I just think, I think it's cool looking. I think it makes me think of like a classic era of Hollywood when they were finding their footing, when they were discovering what what this talking film thing was all about and like how are we going to convey these things now that we don't have an orchestra pit and like cards up on the screen to say what we need them to say, you know? So question. Yeah. This Dracula, this was the first one of the Universal Monsters, right? Yes, so this yeah. kind of kicked it all off. This was the beginning of yeah. the, yeah, the monster mania. All right, that's what I thought. That is all my notes. Do you? Oh, have that was other? there was no other question besides that. No, I that was, was just, it. Okay, all right. Yeah. No, I just <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else with that. Never mind. No, I was just trying to think back, and I was reading that this a lot of people theorize that this is kind of the start of the horror movie genre, but I think there was some quote unquote scary movies before that, but I think this kind of kicked off the Universal Studios monster movie. Yeah. Yes. To clarify, there were other silent horror movies that Universal even made. 
Okay. But this is the first sound, the first quote-unquote talky horror movie in Universal Stable that really kind of is the foundation of what they're going to create later on. Okay. Because as you go through the Universal log, or the Universal uh, catalog, I should say, everything is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, right? But Frankenstein meets the Wolfman also has Dracula in it. Mm-hmm. Like, Dracula pops up. He's yeah. kind of everywhere. He's ever present. He's kind of the Iron Man. I was of just going to say that. You know? <laughs> he's like so, Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, he's like Iron Man back in the 1930s <laughs> with fangs and shitty bats on strings. Yeah. So there All you right. go. Yeah. All right. So we'll hold off on any kind of comment on whether or not you'd recommend this or anything like that until the end. Fair? Deal? Fair enough. Okay, let's do that. Then, So let's move on to Frankenstein. 1931's Frankenstein. It came out the same year but the end of the year. It came out right around Thanksgiving time, 1931. Tell us the cast and crew. Alright, this was directed by James Whale. Mm-hmm. This is loosely based, again, off the novel <laughs> by Mary Shelley. Right. More adapted from the play by Peggy Webling. Mm-hmm. This is written by Garrett Fort and Francis Edward Fargo. Interesting. Okay. This stars Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein, Mae Clark as Elizabeth, and Boris Karloff as the monster. monster. Or, at the beginning of the film, question mark. Right, yes. In the the credits, (laughs) that's question mark. Who is Boris Karloff playing? Well, if you've seen any of the posters, you know, come on, seriously. We mentioned Dwight Fry uh, as, as uh, in this movie, it's Fritz, right? Fritz, yep. And we do have Edward Van Sloan in here, too, as Dr. Waldman. So he's in this also. Who was he in Dracula again? He he? was Van Helsing. He was Van Helsing, that's right, yeah. Okay, yep. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and again, so you're seeing there's there's a pattern here, and... Mm -hmm. You know, is this you, like our first MCU universe where everybody's playing the same characters and intermixing into each other's movies? <laughs> maybe, maybe, but these aren't these aren't like the same characters. Like, you know, that's Edward, true. Edward They're Van not the Sloan same characters. The same They're character. the same actors, right? And Dwight Fry's not playing Renfield. You know, Renfield's dead. This is a new guy, right? Right. A new beastie that he's playing now. James Whale. I wanted to talk about him for a second because I was going to watch a movie in preparation for this called Gods and Monsters, which is about James Whale. James Whale directed this movie, but he also directed Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein. He is a very well-known director during these early years of of talky films. He worked a lot with Universal Studios. He has done, he did a lot for horror movies. He was also one of the first openly gay directors in Hollywood and think about that for a second the 1920s through the 1940s hmm. and into the 50s this is a man who is openly gay which to us nowadays no big deal back then yeah that That's, that was that a was huge a thing deal, yeah. you know so interesting interesting stuff but James Whale is the subject of a movie uh, called Gods and Monsters which is about his Life after, um, life after making all these movies and kind of what happened to him. I think it. I think it ends. I'm not sure if I remember correctly, but it's got it's got Ian McKellen in it, and it's got the whale guy Brendan Fraser in it. George of the Jungle. 
and it's about James Whale's later life. So I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to watch that movie. I've never even, I, I don't, I don't have it. It's not streaming anywhere that I, that we can get to. It's on, I think Showtime, but we don't have Showtime. Yeah. So I wasn't able to watch it, but he is definitely, when I was talking about foundational building blocks of the early horror genre, James Whale is one of them. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Do you want to tell me a little story about a monster? Yes. With some bolts in his neck? A monster named Frankenstein and what he did to an entire community. Yes. So in the Bavarian Alps, Henry Frankenstein and his assistant Fritz, who is a hunchback. Did you catch that he was a hunchback? No. He's supposed to be a hunchback. He just looked like he walked kind of slunked over a little right, bit. Right, right, yeah. which I guess would be the hunch. I don't know, whatever. I didn't see a hunchback, ah, but... <laughs> what hump? You don't get to make that joke because you haven't seen the movie yet, but... What? Young Frankenstein. I do know that in Young Frankenstein, the hump moves. What? I've heard about that. What hump? The hump on the hunchback. It moves. What hump? <laughs> anyway, so anyway, back to this movie. So Fritz and Frankenstein... Frankie for short and to his friends. They are building a human body. They're pulling dead bodies out of the grave or taking them from the gallows and they are piecing together a human body. Now, this is not so like when I was a kid, I always thought Frankenstein, they put him together and they he brought someone back to life, but he didn't actually bring anybody back to life. He gives life to a creature that he created on his own. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know. Didn't even know about it. He he has this laboratory that's kind of secreted away inside of a watchtower. He's talking about how he wants to create this human, give the human life through an electrical device that he's created. But he needs a brain for this creation. Luckily, there's one nearby. Dr. Waldman, who is Henry's former teacher, is talking about two different types of brains in this classroom at this nearby school. He's talking about an, one with an average brain and a person with an uh, abnormal brain or abnormal brain. He's showing the differences on the surface of the brain and all this stuff. So we get this like pseudoscience look at like the human brain. I don't know how much of it's real or how much of it's not, but waiting in the wings is Fritz. And Fritz... So, if you've never seen Young Frankenstein, you really need to do yourself a favor and see this audience. Jen, you're, I, I always want you to watch this movie. but It's on my list. It is on your list. It's been on your list for a long time. <laughs> so We watch a lot of movies. It's hard to get extras I know, in. I know. So, there's a scene in Young Frankenstein where Igor, sorry, Igor, is going to get the brain that Victor... Frankenstein, Frankenstein wants. Froderick, excuse me, Frankenstein wants. And he is startled by something. He drops one of the brains and he has to go with another brain and he picks the abnormal brain. That's exactly what happens here. Mm -hmm. But they play it for laughs in Young Frankenstein where here it's supposed to be like startling and jumpy and stuff. One of the things that scares him is a skeleton. One yeah. of those, like, medical skeletons. He's like, oh, God, what is that? This is a dude who's been digging people up and cutting them into pieces to piece together and sew, sew together. Yeah. He's startled by a, by a skeleton? Yeah. He's startled by a lightning bolt? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. 
He's scared. He picks up the abnormal brain instead. Doesn't even think about it. He's like, that'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's like putting diesel in your in your also in your regular conventional the gasoline fluid that car. it's in. Is it supposed to be some kind of magic fluid? Because the the brain's not connected to anything. It's a dead brain. Correct. And if it falls on the floor, what does it matter at that point? Dust it off and put it back in the jar and let's go, man. I mean, it's not a working brain anyway. There's a three-second rule on human brains, too. I mean, like I said, just blow off the dust and no, let's move on. That won't work. You're going to get bacteria in there. You can get an infection. Then you. Then what do you got? Then you got a monster that's going to go crazy. Oh. Oh, shit. Anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, Henry's fiance Elizabeth speaks with their friend Victor about how he's been kind of peculiar since they got engaged and how after he got engaged, he started talking about how he wanted to create life. Now, if you and I, when we got engaged, if I was like, I want to create life, would you be like, he wants to have another kid? Or would you be like, dude's going to start piecing things together and like putting life into another creature? I would think option one. Right. Yeah. But not Elizabeth and Victor. They're like, something's up, man. This dude's fucking crazy. Now he's sequestered himself somewhere. I mean, they're not off. Well, I mean, I would wonder if you're like saying that and then you like go hide somewhere. I'd be like, <laughs> what the hell is he doing? i create life. Be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Where's he going? What so, is happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine you like in the back shed or something going to create life. Yeah. He's hiding out in the shed again. Sorry. What's he doing? He's putting together some Legos. Trying to... They're just melting when he puts electricity to them. I don't understand. Why? Why won't this work? So, <laughs> so Elizabeth and Victor go to Dr. Waldman and ask him to kind of help because Henry had dropped out of school and had gone off to do his own experiments. Waldman says, yeah, I know he wants to try and create life. That's why he dropped out of school, because we were like, you're out of your fucking mind. And they all are very concerned for him, so they go to the lab. But while they're traveling to the lab, Henry is finalizing his creation. He has pieced together the lifeless body. He has put the brain in there. He's got his little ray gun, and he has this thing on an operating table. He wants Elizabeth and Victor and Dr. Waldman to watch him create life, which he basically, he raises this platform. He has Fritz raise this platform up to get struck by lightning to power his machine to create life. Yes. I have a question. Yes. This makes no sense to me. That's not a question. That's a <laughs> statement. How do dead rotting body parts... Getting electrocuted, make this thing alive. Seriously, I think in the book what I read was mm -hmm. there was some chemical stuff that was used and some chemistry something going on. So I think there was something else to it in the actual novel Frankenstein. I wonder if there is there was a desire to demonstrate how there's electrical impulses in the human brain. I don't know how old that information is, mm -hmm. but if that is in fact what our brains did, and we knew this back then, maybe that's how they decided to shorthand it. Like, oh, electricity in the brain, zap, the brain comes back to life and we're good. Yeah, maybe. 
I don't know. That could be. I don't know. We got to science fiction, so we got to kind of set our. I know, and and honestly, I I don't really care. It just rude. It's like, well, no, I don't really care about the science behind what they're doing on this one. This one, I'm extra okay rude. With. Yeah. <laughs> so. How is that extra I just, rude? I, well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so they get the light. They get the lightning. The creature comes to life. It's alive. He does his it's alive bit. The one that everybody has, you know, lampooned since this movie came out. Now, real quick, right here. Yeah. In the original movie. Yeah. This is where... In 1931, the movie? Yep. You mean the book? No, the movie. Okay. In the movie. Dr. Frankenstein utters the line, now I know what it's like to be a god. Yes. People freaked out. (laughs) Because that's blasphemy. <laughs> so they took it out, replaced it with the thunder thunder sound yeah. there. Um, but when they've restored them, now in the restored versions, they have put it back. Oh, okay. So and that I didn't checked, exist for a while. Our copy does have, now, now I, I know, know what it's like feel. to be a guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I distinctly heard that and I was like, oh, I don't remember hearing that before. Maybe on the older DVD sets or VHS sets that I was watching mm-hmm. back in the day. Maybe that was... The yeah. old version. And I guess some of them, I guess it says, now I know what it feels like to be gods. I guess I'm not sure which one ours said, but hmm. they've kind of put it back in there now. Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the monster, despite being this monstrosity, this huge giant man, he's got the brain or at least the demeanor of a child. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know anything. Mm-mm. Right. So Henry brings it into the lab. He gets it to sit down. He he opens up the roof in the lab, and the creature's like reaching towards the sun. And it's like you're getting like these this idea that like it's just a, like a it's a nascent mind, a nascent you know life that mm-hmm. is learning about things. Meanwhile, Fritz shows up with a torch, and he like tortures the monster with it. And I'm like, Fritz well, that's is a not, jerk. That's not going to end well. That's just not going to end well. You just yeah. don't, you don't, like, this is a six foot seven. Toddler. 400 pound toddler. Yeah. It's not going to go well. Don't, yeah. you don't, it's not going to go well. This thing is as strong as like three people, you know, and like, nah, don't do that. What are you, dumb? Fritz is dumb. Yeah, he is. And malicious too. I'm kind of glad a, he's, he's dead. He's kind of a jerk. Yeah, I'm kind of glad he's dead. Fuck him. Henry, of course, thinks that the monster is trying to attack them. So they restrain it and then they chain him up in the dungeon. Fritz keeps antagonizing it and we get all these like bits where like the poor monster is like, you know, (laughs) getting tormented by this asshole. But while they're off in their study, while Henry's off in his study, he hears Fritz screaming and they rush to the the basement and they find that the monster has hanged Fritz. Yeah. Good. Fuck that guy. For real. <laughs> the, but then here's what I don't understand. The monster then goes after these other two. Mm-hmm. Like they had nothing to do with it, but they did chain him up. So I guess there is that. Yeah. So I guess there is that. So they drug the monster and it, it basically passes out, falls asleep. Henry collapses from exhaustion, exhaustion and Elizabeth and Henry's dad, take him home but henry's worried about the monster waldman 
tells him, don't worry about it. I'm going to destroy the monster. I'll take care of it. I'll clean up your mess. I have such a good boy. It's such a good boy, Henry. Such a good boy. Mm -hmm. No worries. Oh, mommy's boy. It's okay. Mommy's boy would never do anything terrible. Anyway, (laughs) while Henry's at home, he recovers. He gets ready for his wedding. Meanwhile, Waldman is examining the monster. He's going to, like, cut it open and, and inspect it. But the monster... Yeah, he's torturing uh, the poor guy. Yeah, thing. he's going to torture it. The monster strangles him, escapes from the tower, and wanders through the countryside. Like, runs out into the countryside. He comes across a young farmer's daughter, a little girl, seven, eight years old maybe. She's throwing flowers into the lake. But the monster starts throwing flowers into the lake with her. Mm-hmm. But he throws her into the lake, thinking that she would float too. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. She dies. He turns into Pennywise all of a sudden. Yeah. Um. Interesting story about the filming of this. Mm-hmm. That little girl had only had two swimming lessons. Oh, shit. And had to be thrown into that river repeatedly over and over and over again because she kept coming up and floating. Oh, my God. So the director finally convinced her to do one more take and he'd give her whatever she wanted, and she wanted a dozen hard-boiled eggs because it was her favorite snack. <laughs> and they got it on the last take, and he gave her two dozen hard-boiled eggs. That kid had horrible farts <laughs> the next few days. <laughs> Shit. She has horrible negotiating skills. Yeah, too. terrible negotiating skills. Like, she could ask for a whole lot more, lady. <laughs> tell you what, you give me an extra $300, and I'm going to do it. Right? I'll go make get my your own, own fucking eggs. Yeah, get your own eggs, right? <laughs> kids man (laughs) the monster runs away after the little girl doesn't float and then we cut back to the wedding henry and our henry and elizabeth are are just happy and then they they're gonna get married but they're waiting for wildman to arrive but victor rushes and he says wildman's been found strangled henry knows that the monster did it he knows that the monster Mm -hmm. did it he just immediately knows the monster meanwhile enters elizabeth's room and she screams the searchers people come looking for her the people that are looking for her find her in a state of shock. She's unconscious, but the monster's gone again. So the folks of this Bavarian village do what any rational group of Bavarian denizens would do. They form a lynch mob. Mm-hmm. Because the farmer's daughter, or farmer's father, excuse me, arrives with his daughter's dripping wet corpse. And he's like, hey, she was killed. The villagers are like... Fuck, this dude's like terrorizing people. It had to have been the monster. It couldn't have been that she just wandered into the lake and just accidentally drowned. But it was the monster. It was, but how do they know that? They don't. Even the the farmer doesn't know that. Yeah. So. I'm just trying to get the side of the monster a little bit. I hear (laughs) you. Everybody goes and looks for the monster with their pitchforks and their torches. Even Henry. Henry gets attacked by the monster. The monster knocks Henry unconscious and he carries him up an old windmill. Old windmills were just all over the place in the Bavarian Alps, apparently. They have a big fight at the top of the windmill. They He hurls Henry onto the what's the windmill part of the windmill the part that goes around is that the windmill the, okay so windmill is a mill that operates in the with the wind the power of the wind right mm-hmm. so the mill part is separate from the wind part right the wind catcher what's the thing that you what's the blow to the blades of the windmill 
blades. I'll just go with blades, right? I'd go with blades. Yeah. Gonna go with blades. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what the because there's you got wind. There's it's not just wind and mill. It's the mill is one thing. <laughs> the other thing catches the wind and moves the mill, right? So like wind I, operating. I hate mill? to tell you this, know. but I am not a windmill construction person you're not or you're not a engineer i have no idea we're the windmillers i could probably draw a picture of one but i don't know what the <laughs> things are called so. all right we're just going to call them the blades <laughs> of the windmill he throws henry down onto the blades of the windmill but he manages to survive henry manages to survive some of the villages bring him home and while he's recuperating the rest of the mob burns the windmill the monster's trapped inside. Nowhere he can't escape anywhere, and the the monster assumed assumed is assumed to have died in the blaze. Meanwhile, at Castle Frankenstein, later Henry's father celebrates the wedding, and they toast to a future grandchild, which they just killed. Right? They did just kill Henry's child. Yeah. 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 And that's the end. That's the end of the movie. For sure. For Frankenstein. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Yeah. Now, if you watch Bride of Frankenstein, you know that the monster lived. And in fact, I think in that second movie, in The Bride of Frankenstein, he talks, doesn't he? He tells... He tells... Well, doesn't Victor, he have tea with that blind guy and that blind guy works yeah. with him and kind of teaches yeah. him words and stuff? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, the monster will eventually, you know, tell Victor or tell Henry, you know, what's what. But, yeah. And in fact, he does talk in the book, and he says at one point, I have love in me the likes of which you can scarcely imagine, and rage the likes of which you would not believe. If I cannot satisfy the one, I will indulge the other. This, I think, is something that's missing from this movie. As much as I like this movie, mm -hmm. I feel like if the monster could talk, we could get some more of the cool stuff that we get between Victor and his creation. We do get some of this in the remake, the remake, one of several remakes, but the 1993, 94, 94, 93 or 94 Kenneth Branagh version of Frankenstein where Robert De Niro plays the creature. Hmm. It's really good, actually. I enjoy it. It's probably not as good as I remember, but I enjoy it. Okay. And uh, we get we get the we get the ending of the book where the monster is actually the creature is actually on like they're all they end up in the Arctic mm -hmm. and the creature's on like this ice floe floating away and he's talking to Victor about like, you know, you 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 created me and then you tossed me away and all this shit. And it's really interesting stuff. You know? There's so much more to the book than is in the movie, as I recall. Well, um, you're gonna have a book trying to condense down to a movie again here, so I, in a 70 minute movie, movie at that, right so. i i agree with you i think hearing the monster talk about just even mentioning some feelings or something like that would give him a little bit more empathy in this one mm -hmm. yeah because you really get it in the next one was yeah. the next one the bride yeah bride of frankenstein yep i I'm just gonna say it because we're not covering it. I love that movie. Yeah, the Bride really of Frankenstein movie. is probably my favorite of all of these. Yeah. I absolutely love that one. It's a really good play. Um, but I I think what we are missing here is that connection to the monster mm -hmm. because all he does is grunt and groan. And right. I think they try and convey it, 
I think Boris Karloff does a good job of trying to convey that he has these feelings and he has these confusions and he just doesn't know how to get it out. Right. But as an audience, sometimes that maybe would have come across a little better in a Mm -hmm. shorter movie like this with just a few lines, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I I get why it was done the way it was done. Absolutely. Well, plus I think what they were really going for here was to, kind of demonize the creature rather than sympathize make it make it a sympathetic character because that's what he is in the book is he's a sympathetic character mm-hmm. he didn't ask to be brought into this world no. and created from dead flesh mm-hmm. you know by this madman right the real villain in frankenstein is the is the doctor not the monster at least in the book right right so yeah. we need to introduce henry frankenstein to ian malcolm <laughs> yeah you said that when we were watching it you're right we need to introduce the two. Yeah. A couple things I have for extra notes is yeah. the gal that played Elizabeth, Mae Clark, mm-hmm. she confided in Boris Karloff that she was a little scared of him and she was a little terrified to film that scene where he was coming after her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what he did was his hands were off screen and so he would do like little finger waves at her. So that way she knew that it was just him waving at her, but yet he was doing the other thing with his face and everything, which I thought that was kind of a cute thing that he did for her. It's kind of sweet. I mean, the little girl? No, Mae Clark, the The, woman. Oh, the woman that plays Elizabeth. I'm sorry. The girl was all like in on the thing. Like he was full (laughs) costume makeup and they had to drive out to where they were shooting. And she asked him if, can I ride with you? I mean, she was very excited to work with him. So she was not cool. Yeah. She was not scared of him at all. So Um, the end of the movie was originally going to be different. The original ending had Frankenstein and the monster both dying in the fire. Mm. But of course, preliminary audiences didn't like that, didn't react to it very well. So they reshot the movie at the end (laughs) to have a happier ending. Interesting. The only other thing I want to bring up is apparently the look of the monster mm-hmm. does not resemble the character in the novel. Not at all. This is completely done by makeup artist Jack Pierce. Mm-hmm. He came up with the flat head, the bolts through the neck, the droopy eyes. And this is kind of where we get all future Frankenstein looks, monster looks. Until we get to 93 or 94. It's kind of referenced back to how this character here looks. Right. Now, is this guy someone who has done other horror movies? Or is he like, I mean, it's influential, obviously. He created what Frankenstein looks like, you know? I mean, even the monsters copied this, you know? So this guy also worked on The Wolfman. Oh, okay. Some, the brain from Planet... Eros? I don't know what that is. <laughs> that sounds like a 50s Slave movie. Girl. All right. Force. Now we're talking. Yeah, so he's <laughs> been in some different things. So All right, yeah. fair enough. So he's he's done some work. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, and again, like with Dracula, we're not going to talk about whether or not we like this movie or what we're going to do with this movie until we get to the end. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite mythical monster creatures, a wolfman. Which is a 1941 movie starring, well, I'll let you do the, I'll let you do that part. Why don't you give us the cast and crew of The Wolfman, then we'll get into the story, and then we can talk about the rest of this stuff. All right, so this movie was directed by George Wagner. This was written by Kurt Sodomack. 
It stars Lon Chaney Jr. Mm-hmm. as Larry Talbot, Claude Rains as Sir John Talbot, Evelyn Anchors as Gwen, Maria Ospinskaya as Maliva, and Bella Lugosi as Bella. Crafty casting, casting somebody named Bella to play a guy named Bella, huh? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. One little tidbit I forgot to mention on the last one mm-hmm. is Bella Lugosi was actually considered to play the monster oh, yeah. in Frankenstein. But he did not want to do the monster. <laughs> oh, that's interesting because I'm pretty sure he plays the monster later. Oh, he does? Okay. Yes. He actually does play Frankenstein in this universe later on in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Interesting. Yes. He must have seen what it did what the what it did and what it actually was like and thought it was all right after that. Well, I'm sure he wanted some uh, Or he needed a paycheck. He needed some money, you know. <laughs> nothing wrong with that, right? No, but, no. Nobody faults The Rock for doing it. Why would you fault Bella Lugosi for doing it? I would not. I wouldn't either. All right, let's talk about the Wolfman. The Wolfman. Tell me about this man and this wolf. Well, they're the same person. Yeah. (laughs) So Larry Talbot returns to his ancestral home in Wales to bury his recently deceased brother and reconcile with his estranged father, Sir John Talbot. Now, question for you. Does Larry even have a remotely an English accent? No. Not even a stitch of an English accent. Not not even a stitch of an, a Welsh accent. No. Did he even try? Why would you why would you Why is this plate why is this here cuz they could have really I could mean have been anywhere. Yeah, cuz there isn't real Detroit. thick Welsh accents with anybody is there? None of the people, none of these characters have Welsh accents. They yeah. all have British type accents, or at least American English, early American English accent. You know, mm-hmm. from like movies and films. Right. They, uh, I don't know. That never bothered me before, but I'm just you know looking at it critically. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. When did he leave? Did he leave mm-hmm. when he was seven? He lost his accent, and now he's back. What? what we mm-hmm. don't know. We don't know the history between Sir right. John and Larry, right? I think it was originally written that he was not going to be his son. He was not going to be the brother. He was going to be some kind of engineer or something that was working on the telescope or oh, something like okay. that. And right. so I don't know if they made a mid change, and that's why. Mm. But I would still think if you're going to go with this storyline. Maybe try. Yeah. Give it a go. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe they said, you suck at this. Yeah. Just speak normal. <laughs> Look, Lon, you're a good actor, man, but your Welsh, your Welsh accent, fucking terrible, dude. Just, no. <laughs> Just talk normal. Just talk normal. Well, everybody, suspension of disbelief, people. Talk normal for you. I should, right. I want to clarify that. Talk normal for you. <laughs> right. Speak in your normal accent. Yes. That's what I mean when I say speak normal, talk normal. Yeah. In this. So. <laughs> uh, Larry quickly uses his father's telescope to be to the be a fucking creeper county perv yeah this dude is a creep i mean he like follows this woman around after yeah. she tells him no after he admits that he's watching her through her window uh, yes the, the whole window thing it, uh, this dude is not okay he's a creeper not man. okay larry's a creeper larry's a creeper for sure 
So the woman that he follows around, her name is Gwen. She runs an antique shop, and he goes there under the auspice of purchasing something so that he can tell her that he wants the earrings that he saw on her dresser when he was peeping at her through the telescope. Creepy. should unsettle creepy everyone. Creepy fucking dude. Right. And she should be like, get the, get fuck, the out. fuck out yeah. and don't ever talk to me again. Right. So instead she sells him a walking stick, which is a, a silver wolf's head on the handle she says that it's a werewolf and that a man who changes into a wolf at certain times of the year is a werewolf a werewolf always sees the pentagram in the palm of its next victim (laughs) right now there's lots of different werewolf lore going Mm -hmm. on throughout this entire village which is interesting gwen will not hang out with larry on a date because she's engaged not only is larry peeping on this woman he's trying to peep on and date a an engaged woman who's going to be married i know she tells him this and he keeps going after her yeah get the fuck away man I i know knock it off she finally relents and they go to have their fortune told by a romany fortune teller i feel bad for this woman because she finally relents because he's just badgering her right. and at some point it gets to be she's the bad person because she's not being kind to him this whole situation i just don't like it it's very cringy very <laughs> icky yeah and i understand that this was way back when but it doesn't make it okay the interesting <laughs> They go to have their fortunes told, and they are accompanied by J- Gwen's friend, Jenny, who they go have their fortune told by this guy named Bella, Bella Lugosi, right? Yep. He, <laughs> Jenny goes in first, and while they're waiting for their turns, Gwen and Larry go on a walk. Gwen tells Larry, hey, I'm engaged. Then they hear Jenny scream. Larry goes to try and rescue her. She's being attacked by a wolf. And he beats the fuck out of the wolf with the silver-headed stick that he bought Mm -hmm. from Gwen. He kills the wolf. He gets bitten on the chest. The police investigating the scene find Jenny with her throat torn out. And Bela, not a wolf, who's been... His head has been caved in by something resembling, I don't know, a cane with a wolf head. (laughs) Hmm. Just so you know. <laughs> I not really, this could be. <laughs> they don't really put two and two together real quick here. These guys, let's just say these guys aren't quick with math in Wales, <laughs> in this universe. So so <laughs> with, with Larry's stick, the murder weapon, Larry is suspected of murdering Bela. He can't substantiate the story about the wolf. He can't prove anything and the chest the wound that's on his chest is healed it healed quickly mm-hmm. it's gone now yep. it will later be replaced by a pentagram but not fast enough because when he shows the other people the chest wound it's not there but the pentagram hasn't appeared yet so convenient the perfect time for him to show them his chest for them not to believe him so is it because he's not a full werewolf yet so it's not there yet? maybe because he hasn't maybe. turned yet i don't know the werewolf artist forgot lore, to draw the pentagram on him. Yeah. Werewolf lore is so amorphous that I feel like vampires had Dracula, zombies had Night of the Living Dead. Werewolves need one movie that's going to solidify what the lore will really be. And this movie 
is a step in the right direction, but I don't feel like it's it because some of this stuff hasn't lasted, you know, whereas like vampires being able to turn into bats and sucking the blood and you got to drink the blood, you know, to become a you know, vampire. Mm-hmm. That's lasted. Zombies shambling around eating human brains. And if you get bit, you turn into a zombie. The but silver thing's there. still there. The silver sting, the silver thing is still there. The turning into a wolf at the full moon is still there. Some of it is still there, yeah. but not like, like the pentagram thing, the seeing the pentagram on the hand of the victim before, not there anymore. Like, it's like you could, like, there's that's no That's because that's goofy as shit. Well, I mean, yes, but when you consider that this is supposed to be tied to a mental condition called lycanthropy, you could see how someone maybe would be having hallucinations of seeing something on yeah. a hand. I think they're trying to tie it to a mental illness, but it never really caught on. So there's not like, there's only like a couple of things that stuck it out through the years with this, you know? It doesn't feel like this movie had put us as firm a foothold as Dracula did on the vampires on werewolves, you know? That's interesting you say that now because I did read something about this film originally was supposed to be a psychological thriller. Interesting. And that we were not supposed to ever see Larry become a wolf and we were supposed to wonder if it was in his head or not. Oh, I like that. But they decided to change it. Oh, that's too bad. So if you remember back, the wolf that... Bella's character, Bella turns into, is four-legged, and Larry's is two-legged, and that's part of the that's part of the they changed it, and so I I wonder if they changed it partway through filming or when it was changed, because otherwise I feel like they should have been consistent with. Yeah, that's a good point, because yeah, because the wolf that was supposed to be Bella, Mm -hmm. did was was like a actual wolf, 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 yeah. yeah. Whereas Larry's Wolfman form is Was much more, more humanoid. Human. Yep, and I think I would have thought this would have been interesting to to keep it more psychological. Yeah, but then it doesn't really doesn't necessarily maybe fit in with the monster theme. Maybe they were trying to get it in with the other monster movies. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, maybe it's well. I'm just gonna say this, Carl Lemley. So he probably just tried to stuff it into the round hole and say, hey, no, this is what it's going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's possible. I wouldn't put it past him, honestly, knowing what I know about him now. So, yeah, I guess yeah. the writer's first draft did not have any werewolf scenes oh, at all written into it with Larry in there. That's fascinating. I'd love to read that, actually. I wonder if there's any of that on that Blu ray set we've got. I should go back and look at some of that. Yeah, you have to go check. Yeah, because I, I do like werewolves. They're one of my favorite creatures. If you have a, oh, it's like a liger. I <laughs> said <laughs> it's like my favorite creature. God, I'm a nerd. <laughs> you know, if I really like mystical creatures, I have to go with a werewolf because, you know, it's badass. It's got big teeth and stuff. My favorite creature is a hippogriff. A hippogriff? Yep. Is that a creature outside of Harry Potter? Or is no. Is it strictly a Harry Potter it, I think creature? it's strictly Harry Potter. All right. Yeah, okay, Harry <laughs> part Potter. Part horse, part eagle. There we go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I hear you. I respect the nerd in me bows to the nerd in you. So, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> I see. I see you. So, <laughs> what's that from? What's that from? I don't remember. I don't remember There's either. a movie that yeah. they say that yeah. in though. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> wow, we're way the fuck off. Yeah, okay. we are. So, back to the story. Larry and Gwen were not with Jenny when she was attacked. Kind of raises suspicions that maybe Jenny was like hoeing around or something. 
But Gwen's fiance, Frank, believes that she didn't do that. She wouldn't do that. Larry and Gwen kind of become kind of social outcasts thanks to this. So Gwen, or not Gwen, excuse me, Larry is walking away from this investigation site at one point, and he runs into Bella's mother, mm-hmm. who is another Romany fortune teller. Mm-hmm. And she brings him into her tent and he says, hey, guess what? The wolf that bit you is my kid, Bela. That's why you found Bela's body after you beat up a wolf. <laughs> Magic. So <sighs> she says that Larry is going to become a werewolf because he was bitten by one. Silver is the only thing that can kill a werewolf. She gives him a charm that's supposed to help prevent the transformation. But she also gives him some really cool stuff. Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. That. I remember that line more than anything because it's in not just this movie, it's in The Howling, which is one of my favorite werewolf movies of all time. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. She also gives him the, whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. (laughs) Now, I I trounced that up a little bit, but that's a cool line. Because he's he's about to walk out, and that's that's what stops him cold in his tracks. Mm -hmm. He's like, the fuck you say? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. He doesn't believe her. He's not sure if he wants to believe her or not. So he gives the charm to Gwen to protect her instead. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make any fucking sense because it's supposed to prevent transformation. Larry's an idiot. Yep. Right? Larry's mm-hmm. a moron. He's a perv, a creep, and a moron. Yep. There are redeeming qualities to him at all? I don't think so. I don't either. <laughs> Jeez. So, because he gives away the charm, and because that's what Bela's mom said was going to happen, he turns into a werewolf. Now, we talked about this. He talk, He walks on two legs. He's kind of a hybrid wolf man. Wolf slash man. I don't know. And he attacks and kills a villager. He comes back. He's he, When he wakes up the next morning, he has no memory of his rampage at all. Doesn't have any idea what's going on. The, the police think that, the wolf, uh, that a wolf was to blame for the murders. So they set a bunch of traps. They send out hunting parties. Larry turns into the werewolf again the next night, and he's caught in one of the traps. Maliva, the Bella's mother, she uses a spell to temporarily change him back to human. Now, my question here is if she can change people back to human, and she's got charms that can prevent transformation, why is she letting Bela run around as a wolf? Yeah, like, put him in a... Put him in a cage. Little cage yeah, or something. put him in a cage, put the pendant on him. Yeah. He starts changing, say your thing, and let him change back. Sure, it might be a long night for you, you know, pound some coffee or something. You'll be (laughs) fine. Right. Oh, shit, he's turning again. This fucking kid, I swear to God. But people won't die. Then you won't, yeah, people won't die. So honestly, I think that some of these deaths are on Maleva's head. They're not, I mean, like, Bela has no control over this. Larry has no control over this. Mm Mm-hmm. But Maliva apparently does and does nothing until he's caught in a wolf trap and then he turns him back into a human and gets him to be able to run away. Yeah. She's like, get out. Just go quick. They're going to find you. What's this woman's game? Don't know. I don't understand what's up with this woman. 
So she frees him. He runs off. He's now convinced that he is a werewolf. He decides he's going to leave town. He goes to say goodbye to Gwen, but he sees a pentagram on her hand, which means, of course, as we've talked, that's his next victim, right? But if he leaves, then she won't be his next victim. She won't be. Right. So he tells his dad he's a werewolf. He killed Bela the vill- and the villager. His dad thinks Larry's out of his fucking mind. Of so course. he says, look, I'm going to tie you to a chair. <laughs> That's the solution. Like, look, man, you're you're nuts. I'm just going to tie you to a chair. And then I'm going to prove that you're not a werewolf by you not turning into a werewolf, right? But, of course, the moon rises. Larry changes. He breaks free of his restraints and he attacks Gwen in the forest. But not recognizing the werewolf as his son, Sir John kills Larry with his cane. Larry's cane. The one with the silver wolf head on it. Mm -hmm. Maliva comes back. She uses the spell. And Larry turns back into himself. Now, my question is, why does she have to use the spell there at the end? Because Bela turned back to Bela after he was dead. Yeah. Was Larry not fully dead? Was there still hope for him? And they transformed him back and then just let him bleed out? What's going on here? Don't know. Okay, just checking. Just making sure. No idea. All right. So the dead werewolf turns into Larry's corpse. He's dead. Larry's dead. But he's not because he'll be back. He'll be back in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Let us not worry. He will be back. Yes. He will be back. Now. So all of these people in this village know about Wolfsbane. They know the story about the werewolf, even a man who is pure in heart, blah, blah, blah. Not one fucking person, not one, suspects that on a full moon, when the autumn moon is bright, the Wolfsbane is blooming, and Larry has been bitten by a wolf, no one says to themselves, hmm, you know, I feel like... I feel like we have a saying or a poem maybe that 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 talks directly to this. Sure, but you have all sorts of stuff like that going on in That's, real life. It's huge. It's huge. It's everywhere. They're all talking about it. Like every time he stops some drunk on a corner, they're like, even the man who's pure in heart, man, I'm telling you. Like Larry can't Larry can't go to the fucking bathroom without running into three people who are going to be like, hey, man, did you hear about the Wolfsbane stuff? I got to, sir, okay, all right, I'll catch you on the backside. Like, nobody, like these guys, like I said, terrible at math. Nobody puts two and two together in this fucking movie. And Sir John, who is like, dude, runs the fucking town, right? Like he's the big dick swinging around in that town, right? Yeah. He doesn't suspect. He's not, like, this guy hears from everybody, right? Yeah. If you, this is a guy who, when he walks somewhere, everybody's like, oh, Sir John, how's it going? Let me tell you about the Wolfsbane thing. He's th- There's no way he avoided it. There's no way he avoided it. He runs the town. Mm-hmm. Why is he surprised? Why is he surprised when his son comes to him and says, Dad, I got bit by a wolf. I think I'm a werewolf now. That's bullshit, kid. Come on. Well, I've never heard of that. What are you, crazy? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me. None. None. <laughs> I could kind of see it. Uh, you know, it's like tooth fairies and stuff like oh that. Oh my god. This is You this tell is... this story, but you don't, you know, it's not real. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, like Santa Claus, the tooth yeah. fairy wolfman. Yeah, but it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Also, my favorite person in this entire movie is Twiddle. Twiddle is the guy that like helps out the constable. 
he's always like taking notes for the constable and the and he's like so like he's just like oh i can't look at that corpse i'll throw up uh, he's like hey twiddle write this down twiddle do this oh twiddle we got another one and twiddle's like oh god okay mine poor twiddle but i just love his name too twiddle yeah like who the fuck names their kid twiddle is that his last name maybe it's a nickname nickname god who the fuck would be twiddle i mean I've heard some goofy nicknames, so yeah, you never I suppose. know. But Twiddle was a great, great name, man. Great name. So tell me a little bit about your notes for the Wolfman. I just have a couple behind the scenes things. Jack Pierce did this makeup here too. The makeup is primarily done with a rubber nose and yak hair. <laughs> That's yak hair? Yep. And they used a curling iron to singe the yak hair. Okay. And then they applied it to the face, arm, and legs. Interesting. Interesting. Apparently, Lon Chaney Jr. is a dick in real life, too. Ah, Was? Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. So, he was jealous that Evelyn Anchors got his dressing room, and so he decided... Well, then he was also getting punished by the studio because I guess he would show up drunk and like vandalize the place or some shit like that <laughs> wow. so anyways he decided to take it out on evelyn anchors the gal that played Gwen, Aww. and he would irritate her he called her names <laughs> he'd play practical jokes on her he'd put his makeup on and sneak up behind her and scare her and stuff anyways apparently she did not have a good time hmm. working with lawn Cheney Jr. Interesting, because I've always heard that he was, like, a sweet guy. Well, and maybe he's he turned the corner somewhere, but apparently he was not being very nice maybe, to this Evelyn. Maybe if he didn't get what he wanted, he turned into a prick. Yeah, but if everybody be. was kowtowing to him, he was a sweet guy. But That's that doesn't really make you a sweet guy. No, no, I mean, like... If like you're a good person to everybody that you, that's not that doesn't do something that you don't like and mm-hmm. they never see you act that way, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's why they call you a sweet guy. I'm not yeah. saying it makes you a sweet guy. I'm yeah. saying that's like that's why their perception right. of it's you is a sweet person, guy. Yeah. You know. And I have an alternate casting for Larry Talbot, two people, and I will give you two guesses for Bella these. Lugosi. That's one. And the other one? Boris Karloff. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it seems pretty obvious, but yeah, these, they, these they did men, look yeah. at, okay, which one do we want to play this right. character? Right. Yeah. These three men are, are, are the trifecta of the Universal Monsters Foundation, which mm-hmm. is, I think, why we decided to do these three movies. They are the pillars on which the reputation of Universal M- Studios monster movies And I think when built. you think of the monster movies... These are the three you think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the other ones too, but mm-hmm. there's so much spinoff on these, well, especially the Wolfman and Dracula. I mean, yeah. vampires, werewolves, there's lots of stuff mm-hmm. on them, mm-hmm. you know? And Frankenstein, probably not as much, but I think he's still a pretty iconic character. Yeah, I think he's an iconic, I think he's an iconic looking character. Yeah. And in so much as you know, they 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 lampooned him in the '60s with the monsters and mm-hmm. like they, they did, like everybody, you know, they did everybody in that, you know. Yep. So, yep. it 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 these movies are foundational to modern horror as we know it, really, because they did they did they pioneered a lot of this. I mean, there were other horror movies that came before it, Nosferatu. There was a 
another werewolf movie, the Wolf of London or Werewolf of London that came before this movie that was still a universal movie, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't, it's not foundational, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, any other notes that you want to talk about before we get into what we're going to do here at the end? Nope. I think I've gone through everything. All right. Very good. So, Jen, this was your idea. Are we going to do keep, rent, or erase, or do you want to tell me what we are going to do? I think instead of doing keep, rent, erase, because I think both of us probably understand that these in- films are important. They should be kept. Th- they've got a lot of fil- film history to it. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing that, what if we rank them? I like it. Favorite to least favorite. I, you know what? Why don't we bury the lead and start least favorite to favorite? Okay. Or do you think that that matters? I don't know if it matters. And there's only three of them. It's not like we're going to... And yeah, they're not uh, mysteries of what movies yeah. we're going to pick. So, right. you know, okay. All right. So, I don't, you want to go first since you started this? This is your sure. idea. You tell us. What's your what's your favorite? Okay. So, my favorite is Frankenstein. Okay. I love the character. I do wish that we would have gotten a little bit more emotional involvement and attachment to the monster. But I think they definitely make up for it in the second movie the yeah. bride of frankenstein Def- but that's not the one we're talking about no it does have issues but i still i, I like this one the most okay. i like frankenstein i even have a little frankenstein little stuff guy here <laughs> you do who keeps me company where is he let me see him he is right here here's my little frankie oh look at that guy yeah oh yeah wait he got it we got him from universal didn't we we did and he keeps me company last year i decided i had to have my own little frankie (laughs) and he keeps me company while i work so (laughs) i really like frankenstein a lot so he is my favorite i like that movie the most all right fair enough the next one i'm gonna go with is wolfman okay the wolfman um this definitely has issues the dude is creepy as hell Again, you <laughs> yeah. got to just yeah. kind of let that go. But it, it's tough when I'm watching this going, he is such an ick. You're watching it with modern sensibilities yes. is the whole thing. And it's yep. tough to turn those modern sensibilities off, right? I mean, right. we all know that. I know that shit. Yeah. When I go back and watch shit like Revenge of the Nerds, it's hard to turn off the right. modern sensibilities. <laughs> right. And I love that movie. Yeah. You know, so I get it. I do think this movie would have benefited by going with the psychological mm. horror of yeah. it more than the back and forth Mm -hmm. but it's still a fun watch i still enjoyed it 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 was a good watch sure dracula for me is the bottom because this one is just there's so many like just long sweeping shots of just nothing fucking happening (laughs) and then it's, it's a lot of dry stuff i know that bella lugosi is like this wonderful actor his facial expressions in this kill me he's supposed to be serious and menacing yeah i find him comical okay it is comic he looks like he has smelled something awful (laughs) and cannot pinpoint where it's at it's it's just ridiculous his facial expressions really pull me out of it fair enough okay yeah Um, i can see that the goofy bats the goofy bats they're comical i mean come on it is but still you know we're talking about this stuff yeah yeah, i do really like the set pieces i think those are cool the big sweeping staircase oh yeah like you said the paintings in the background are Mm -hmm. really neat and it lays some really good groundwork for future vampire movies. Mm. Yep. Um, so 
I don't hate it. It's just definitely not my favorite. <laughs> so, all right, fair. All yeah. right, how about you? All right, so when I looked at this, when I thought about, okay, which of these is my favorite, I had to go with the one that's the most endearing to me, and that one is the Wolfman. I've been fascinated by werewolves for a long time. I used to check books out about werewolves and lycanthropy from the library when I was a kid mm-hmm. because I wanted to know more about it. I want to hear more werewolf stories. My favorite horror movies, some of my favorite horror movies, are werewolf movies. The Howling, American Werewolf in London, Dog Soldiers, Silver Bullet. They're good movies. This one, you know? Like, I enjoy the idea of this this person that can't control... And this is also why I like the Hulk, I think. This is a person that can't control what's inside of them. And that thing bursts out and they have there are complications, something to deal with over that, you know? I enjoy that. So yeah, Wolfman's number one for me. Second is going to be Frankenstein. Now, before I go any further, I want to say that each and every one of these movies, all three of them, are, like I was saying before, the pillars on which not just Universal's monster movies were built, but also what modern horror came from. This is the DNA from modern cinematic horror. And so me ranking them one, two, three doesn't really matter because to me it's like one and then like tiny little bit down two and a tiny little bit down three. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So Frankenstein is my number two because I love the idea that everybody gets wrong who the villain in Frankenstein is. Nobody seems to realize that the bad guy is the doctor. It's called Frankenstein. It's not called the monster. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Think about this. The bad guy in The Wolfman is called the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Dracula is Dracula. Dracula is Dracula. The creature from the Black Lagoon is the creature from the Black Lagoon, right? That's the bad guy in that picture, right? Yeah. Who's the bad guy in Frankenstein? It's the doctor. But everybody thinks the monster's the bad guy. I love the dichotomy of being afraid of the guy that's the victim of the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I love that. I don't know I don't know anything else that has put that out there like that. If if you just got that monster some help, he'd probably be a pretty nice dude. Right? He could potentially be. Yeah. Anyway, so then my last one is Dracula. And the reason that Dracula ends up on my, my bottom list is that I'm just not a big vampire fan. I do appreciate this for what it is. I appreciate the the foundational nature of this film when it comes to the genre. I do like... I mean, I know, I know where you're coming from with, with Bela Lugosi, but I... I have this thing about Bela Lugosi. I think he's the sad person, you know, because he really, he falls into addiction later in life and he probably was even addicted to things in this during the filming of this movie. But he is a tragic figure in Hollywood. And to see him kind of in his prime, this is a stage actor who, yeah, his, his expressions were goofy, but they were goofy because he was transitioning from stage acting to film acting, which is a completely different thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Bela Lugosi, to me, saves Dracula in that some of the story is kind of boring, mm-hmm. but Bela Lugosi laid that groundwork. Bela Lugosi put that work in ahead of time so that other people could play this character. And everybody always references Bela Lugosi when they are talking about how they got into the role of, of Dracula. Gary Oldman, famously, references Bela Lugosi as the person that he most tried to emulate 
in certain aspects of his performance in 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula. So, yeah, there you go. Sounds That's good. my ranking. So, now that Halloween is over, you know what? It's not over. It's not over. Halloween is tomorrow. Halloween's tomorrow, and we still have one more night at Halloween Horror Nights. We do. It's tomorrow night. We're going to go see some more spooky spooks. We're going to go get jump scared. Woo-hoo. Jump scares. Yeah, they're like <laughs> my least favorite type of scare, really, jump scares, but... It's the, fun. They're, they're fun. They're not scary. They're just no, like startling. No. I'm startled. Oh, jump startles don't sound as good as jump scares though, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So we're going to go get jump startled tomorrow. <laughs> you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Jen, what are we doing next? We're going to continue with scary, spooky movies. We have more spooky movies? We've got one more we're going to give to you guys here. It is The Exorcist Believer. Which is a house at Halloween Horror Nights. I'm not going to tell you what I think of this house just yet. But, because I I don't want to give away anything from the movie. So we'll get into that. Sounds good. All right, so right here next week, right here on the couch. This is, wait, hold on. Okay, so just real quick. This is David Gordon Green, the guy who brought back Halloween and erased every sequel that was ever made for Halloween and said, no, these are the real sequels, and then did a trilogy mm-hmm. to end the Halloween series. Is I wonder if that's what his plan is here with The Exorcist. Maybe. Because that's weird to me. Like, I feel like... I don't know. I feel like The Exorcist is kind of like one of those movies like Jaws where you don't need sequels to it, you know? You don't need yeah. them. No, you don't. Anyway. Next week, right here on the couch, The Exorcist Believer. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.